0: you just uh, join me in prayer? I can't jump in after that song. That's unbelievable. Would you just join me in prayer? God, I pray that you would really just help us to understand how great you are. you call who you are in, the, in, the, in your word, in the Bible, you are known as the great I am. And I pray that you would help us to remember that. I pray that you would help us to immerse ourselves in that. I pray that you would help us to fully, as much as we can on this earth, comprehend that the greatness of who you are and how you have made us in your image that that we have a a part of that greatness in us and that you desire for us on this earth to live that greatness out as much as we can. And I pray that you would help us to do that. Thank you for allowing us to, to worship you in such a powerful way this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, welcome to Northridge. I'm so glad you guys are here with us today. Um, We are right in the middle of a series called Margin. And in this series, we are talking about what it means for us all as people to intentionally, not by accident, but to intentionally create margin. To create space in our lives, in the various areas of our life. So, last, uh, well, two weeks ago, we talked about the emotional area and how that area affects everything in life. Your emotional area affects how you go into your day, how you view your career, how you treat your family. Um, how much margin you have emotionally will determine so much of how you basically spend your life. And then last week, we talked about an area that is intensely personal. We talked about our body and how God cares about how we treat our body, how we take care of our body, what we do with our body, that he truly has something to say about that. And that may have been mind-blowing for a few of us because we maybe have never thought of God being over every aspect of our life. And I'm, when I say every, I mean actually every aspect of our life. There's not areas that God doesn't... Uh, speak to us about in his word. He talks about every single bit of us, every fiber. And so we've talked about this in the last two areas. And this time we're talking about another intensely personal one, the one that I think people get a little up in arms about. We're talking about finding margin in our financial area. Oh, this is a heartstring one. It really is, because I know how I feel about money and how I get attached to it. And so we're going to talk about finding margin in that area. But how many of you uh, have ever heard the phrase, well, money doesn't grow on trees? All right, How many of you heard that? How many of you use that on your children? I haven't yet, only because they're not old enough to even get it yet. I will, I'm sure, pull that out and play that card somewhere along the way. Do you think money grows on trees? Get a job. No, I'm just kidding. But maybe what if we thought that money did grow on trees? Or perhaps that money would fall from the sky, perhaps like this. Well, I mean, it would be nice if money did grow in trees, right? It certainly would, yeah. But I think even better if it was to rain money. you notice there were two aspects of that little clip. And by the way, that's an illusionist from the UK named Tony. If you're wondering, I'd never heard of him before, but pretty cool stuff. Um, and, and, and did you notice that there's two parts of that? At the beginning, the money falls. And, and what did you see? The close-ups. they had a lot of them on people. And what did you see on their face? Smiles and happy and just there's, there's happiness there, wasn't there? Not joy necessarily, but happiness. But then did you notice the second part of the video there? What were they doing? Running around like crazy animals, like mice, like, whoa, buddy. Watch out, you stepped on my finger, you know? And and you see the guy jumping, like, oh, that's awesome. Right? It's like back to his basketball days. And they, they were almost frantic. And I think that that describes, when I saw that video, that describes our culture so well. We, because we see money, and I don't know about you, but you see money, or if you see somebody hands you a gift money and it, it just brings a smile, it makes us happy, We're just, it, happiness and money kind of go hand in hand for us in our culture. But then there's that other side of it where we chase it all the time. We're frantic, aren't we? We have to get ours before somebody else gets it. We need to snag the promotion before somebody else does. We need to, I need to know how much you make so that I make sure I'm making as much as you are. And we care about it a lot. We chase money kind of like that. We're jumping. Now that's not what it looks like to us usually. But that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're frantic. It makes us crazy a little bit. And we we talk about that. We know that this is the case. Well, uh, I want to talk about this area. Just set this up a little bit. And then we're going to talk about how to create some margin in this area. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what God says about money. Uh, because I think it's very important. And, and these first two, these are two that maybe you've heard before, but the first one is in First Timothy 6.10. Uh, this, is, this is what it says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith, or in other words, their relationship with God, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Not a good thing. They've created a bad situation in their life. This verse now is misinterpreted. A lot of the times. In fact, I've heard uh, people and pastors misinterpret this. This verse is not saying that money is evil. Okay, did you get that? This verse is not saying money is evil. What is it saying is evil? If you look at it very carefully, it says the love of money is the root, the foundation for all kinds of evil. The love of money. Money is necessary. I don't know about you. But it's good to have a house when it snowed last night. Right? That doesn't happen without money. Okay, It's good to have some food. We need that. Yes, we have to have those things. But what this is talking about is not not having money. It's saying the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we know this to be true, don't we? Just think about this. Think about like some of the most common crimes in our country. Robbery, larceny. Uh, Petty theft, vehicle theft, uh, burglary, even murder, by the way. Not all the time, but a lot of times. Did you know why a lot of murders happen? It's over money and possessions. You know that? And all those other ones, what do those things deal with? They are dealing with somebody trying to get rich quick. Because of the love that they have for money. And so we see that it truly can be the root of all kinds of evil. And, and, and we know that and still, yeah, it sometimes gets a hold of us, doesn't it? And this is what this next verse talks about. Jesus talked about money quite a bit. And in Matthew six twenty four, this is what Jesus himself said. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, again, this is another one very often mistranslated or misinterpreted. This is not saying you cannot have money and have God in your life at the same time. It is not saying that. It is saying you cannot serve both. That is a subtle difference, but a really important one. We cannot serve both masters. I'll tell you what, I think in our American culture, we have really tried to do this as hard as possible. Sure, we can have this and do this. We can do this and do this too. And we struggle with that. And I think that that's maybe one of the biggest stressors in our life is us trying to serve both masters at the same time. I know I've been there myself. I have. I've struggled with this myself. Now, many people think, uh, I don't know about if you're, you're one of these thinking this, but a lot of people think that God doesn't or shouldn't say anything about money. That's kind of silly, but that's what a lot of people think. What did I tell you? The Bible, God's word talks about every aspect of life. If we accept Christ, if we are truly going to believe in God who is over our life, then we have to agree that God is over everything in our life. Okay, and let me just, I'll put this out there. If you're feeling a little offended today, I'm just going to be brutally honest. I think you might love money too much. And yes, I have talked to a lot of people and they said, now, I just want to, you know, they they share this and they talk about, you know, know, money. I've heard this other stuff talked about. Let me tell you, okay, just let's put it out there. If that's the way you feel, that's fine. But I'm just saying you may love money too much because uh, I'll be honest. I've been where you're sitting when somebody's talked to me about money and I know how I felt sometimes. And I know coming out of it, it wasn't out of righteous anger. It was out of me being a little selfish with my own budget. And so I'm just saying, this is a difficult issue. I, I, I had to wrestle with this myself. But here's, here's the thing. Let me give you some statistics. There are 500 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer. Would any of us be surprised by that? Right? You say, no, oh, that makes sense. Of course, I hope God talks about prayer in the word. You know, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, there are about 500, a little bit less than 500 verses that talk about faith, like this, this unseen belief in God, okay? this, this faith, this trust that we have to have in God. And so he talks a little bit about that. Okay? How many verses do you think talk about money? <laughs> Two thousand. Yeah. A lot of people say, God, you don't have anything to say about money. And I say, ha, that's funny. Because we we think prayer is important. It is. We think faith is important. It is. But God talks about a quadruple the amount of times of prayer and faith. Really? I think God knows something maybe we don't. I think he knows that truly the love of money and serving two masters is not going to work. And so he talks about it all the time. So what I want to do is just turn the corner for a minute, and just like we've done in the last couple of weeks, I want to talk about what it would mean and how we can create some financial margin. Now, understand I'm not a financial guru. All right, Do not come to me for investment advice. Do not come to me. Uh, it, just, it would turn out badly for you. Okay, that's the truth. Uh, I'll just be honest. Um, But if you go through this, these three things that I'm going to share with you, these are not mind-blowing. You're not going to go in and go, wow, those were incredible. I've never known that before. I've never heard those. No, these three things are about as basic, as normal, as you go like, well, duh. Thanks, best friend, for giving us something that we already knew. Appreciate that. Thanks for making us show up through the snow. And and so we're going to talk about these three things, but I'm just saying the reason we're sharing these is not because they're mind-blowing, but it's because they're really difficult to do. And I can tell you, Laura and I struggle with these three things uh, from time to time. Definitely different seasons in our life are different, but from time to time we've struggled with these as well. Okay, the number one, first thing, and this is really the one we need to focus on the first, decrease spending. This is really hard to do. I don't know about you. Actually, I'll be honest. When I go to most stores, this is not a problem for me. All right? Uh, because one of the things that Dr. Swinson in his book Margin talks about, he says one of the biggest things you can do is make a list and stick to it. Okay? Number one, I don't really like to make a list because when I'm going to the store, there's usually one thing that I need, and I want to get in there and get out as fast as humanly possible. You know, Laura is okay with browsing a bit. I'm okay with like, it's on the other side. We need to park by those doors. I'm going in. Yep, thank you for the change. Off we go. That was a struggle. Hated it. However, I do have one struggle. When I am sent to the grocery store with a list, I have a hard time. Because you know why? Because they have potato chips there. They have candy there. They have a ice cream there. They have like a whole section of ice cream. It is hard for me. I will admit, Laura will tell you, just about every time I go to the grocery store, whatever's on the list is a nice suggestion, and I usually add a couple things to it. I don't need to write them down. I just know. (laughs) I know where those items are. And by the way, it's no accident that there's uh, candy like, by the cashier <laughs> and that they put the kids' toys down where they, the kids can actually reach it. Have you ever tried to take a kid's toy back from a kid in the aisle? That just doesn't turn out well. It's kind of like Armageddon. <laughs> All right, so decreased spending is one of those things, and this is a difficult thing to do. And, and Dr. Swenson mentioned several ways to do this. One was making a list. Another is to make sure that you maybe with the credit card thing, I don't know about you, but I spend really easily with a credit card and they've done psychological studies, it is way easier to spend a whole lot more money with your credit cards or debit cards than it is with cash. I don't know about you, Laura and I, we went through a season in our life where we had to go to all cash. Um, Not because our spending was out of control, but because we had very little money, and we just, it wasn't happening. It wasn't working for us. And so we went to an all cash system, and so we had cash for this line item, this line item, this line item, this thing. And when we were out of cash, guess what? Oh, man. And there were some times we'd get to the end of the month and we had a week left and we're like, we're going to have to eat ramen noodles, you know, or whatever for like 60 cents or whatever it is. And, and we did that, or mac and cheese, I think, is a lot of times what we'd end up with. But that cash system, it, it's painful to pay with cash, which is why it works to play with, pay with pr- plastic. It, it's like, it's easier to do. It's less emotional. They've done studies, it's very obvious that way very interesting. So maybe start paying with cash, get on a budget, those kinds of things. But somehow the key is that we need to de- decrease spending. Now, let me share the second prescription and share why this one, decreased spending, has to be the first one we do. Okay, the second one is increase income. Increase income. This is the second one. Now, the problem with this one is it's a very dangerous one. It's a very dangerous one because we're in a series called Margin. And if I say we need to increase our income, what does that usually mean? We're going to have to decrease our margin in other areas of life, aren't we? I've been there. I've done this. <laughs> uh, I just came through soccer season. All right, so I get this. This is a difficult one, and it's a dangerous one, because if we increase, uh, commit to increase our income, which decreases our time for our family, decreases our time that we can invest in our relationship with God, Decreases our time and margin and emotions and all this kind of stuff. Then there's a cost to it, isn't it? Where on the other hand, decreasing spending doesn't cost us anything. It may mean that I have to have less bags of chips. But it doesn't actually cost me anything. Does that make sense? It creates margin without sacrificing margin. Increasing income... Creates margin in one area, but sacrifices margin in a lot of other areas. Does that make sense? And so this is a dangerous one. It's okay to do. It's just you have to take stock in that. When Laura and I lived in North Dakota um, at that time of our life, I had a little bit more margin of time, um, energy, and emotion, and all that kind of stuff. We just had some more margin in our life at that point. Uh, probably because we weren't, like, planting a new church. I suppose, you know, there might have been something like that. But we had more margin. And so Laura and I decided, well, okay, maybe we should get a part-time job. And so I decided I would get a small, very small part-time job. I literally worked, like, six to ten extra hours uh, in the week for this small part-time extra job. And we agreed to it. We talked it through, said, yes, this is okay. We had the margin to do it. And the reason we did that is because we needed to create some more margin financially. So that we could not only live better, but have more margin to give generously as we needed to people who were in need or, or whatever the case was. And so there was a season of our life. Right now, I can tell you that Laura and I do not consider In fact, we've talked about it a couple of times. We won't even consider it right now. It would sacrifice some really important things to increase our income. We just, we're not going to do it. And because we don't have the margin in the rest of our life to do it. And so it becomes a question of those two things. So the first thing we need to do is decrease our spending. Perhaps if we do that, if you say, man, I still have very little or no margin, then at that point, maybe increasing income is, a, is an option that we have to have. All right, the third one, third prescription that Dr. Swenson mentions, increase savings. Really what this is, is a result of the first two, isn't it? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I... I Oh, yeah, okay, I'll just put all the money we have and put it into savings, right? It doesn't work that way because probably we don't have savings because we didn't have the margin to put any money in savings. I know that's how Laura and I have sometimes been. And so increased savings, what does this look like? Well, this looks like a result of we need to decrease our spending. We need to increase our income if we have to, and that will create some margin. Why is that important? Because I don't know about you, but the things that we buy, they tend to break. And I mean everything. And I don't, I don't know about you, but does it ruin your day when your car won't start or, you know, when this refrigerator stops and you have to pull everything out and throw it, you know, in this neighbor's thing or whatever, you know, or the mower or that all the, the hundreds of things that go wrong. And then what happens? I know sometimes Laura and I are like, hey, we have margin. We've we put some savings away for emergencies and we have that. And our stress level, you know where our stress level is? Pretty decent. Because I just go and I get that thing done. And then there's been times where we haven't had that margin. And it creates a really major stress point in our marriage. We treat our kids different. I mean, it just, it kind of wrecks things. And it's like a stupid refrigerator or, or, you know, uh, uh, the alternator on the car. What is that thing for anyway? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right, and we have these things that I mean, we have emergencies. This, just so we know, this thing, these things that break down, they're always going to break down. <laughs> We're just not going to be free from it. Emergencies are all going to happen. And so we need margin. Now, you might say, okay, this is great. We appreciate the financial lesson this morning. You know, I didn't realize I was getting into business class. Is there another reason that we need margin than just creating some space in our finances? Yeah, and it's huge just like we've said in the emotional area, just like we said last week in the physical area, if we don't have financial margin in our life, we're not going to be able to be open to how God wants to use our lives. And we're certainly not going to be able to help other people out when God taps us on the shoulder. And you know what it is? It's not, it doesn't feel like this, by the way. <laughs> That'd be good, though, if God did that. I was like, oh, hey, God, you know. But instead, it comes in the form of somebody comes up and we hear a need that is out there. And all of a sudden we realize, "Eh." you know, we've got that pang down in our stomach, in our gut that says, maybe I'm the one to help that person. That's God. Hey, you have the financial margin to do so. I need you to do that. And the problem is that a lot of times this has happened to Laura and I when we weren't as smart with our money, we, weren't, we didn't, hadn't created this margin, where God does that and we say, sorry, God, uh, we're a little tight. Appreciate it, but we're a little tight right now. And we don't have that margin to be on mission for what God wants to do. And I know this is a hard area. Believe me, Lord, I have struggled with this. So this is a big, big thing. We need to treat our money and our possessions just like we should treat the rest of our life that God is over it all. You see how this is kind of a theological issue? This is kind of a view of God issue. Yet if we don't see that God is over everything in our lives, then finances are untouchable to him. We say, you know, God, it's cool to have prayer. It's cool to have faith. And I'm willing to go to the village center every now and then. But these areas don't tell me what to do with my body. Don't tell me what to do with my finances. I'm good. We need to realize God is over everything in our life, and we need to create margin in those areas. Um, I just wanted to share, and I've shared with Laura that Laura and I have struggled with this. There are two things that Laura and I have come down to, and we've had to work through this in our marriage, um, but two things that we do that specifically help us keep this focus. And, And again, it's a struggle for us. We have to fight for this. It doesn't just happen. We have to fight for these things. Um, there's two things. One is in our budget, we always have this in there and sometimes we're more organized with it. I'll, I'll, be admit, uh, I'll admit to you, our budget is not as organized as it needs to be right now, right? All right, Laura's Brent, we need to sit down and, you know, it comes from my wife, which is good. She keeps me honest that way. Hey, we need to sit down. We need to talk about this. Okay. But we always in that budget, we always have a line item that is for gifts, and that line item is put there, because when we have somebody that comes across our past, whether it's uh, people in our kids' lives, like our teachers, and we feel like we should be a blessing to them and we should give them a gift uh, of money, of uh, uh, something that we should buy for them, uh, when God there has been a few times it doesn't happen as often, but God has brought somebody to our doorstep or to into our lives where we felt like we needed to help them out financially in some way. Usually it's pretty small for us, but we, we have to be, uh, honor God that way. And, and we have that money there, and we said, this is for that. It's not for our gifts. It's not for our vacation. It's not for our children. It's not for whatever else it is. This is for when God says, I need you to step up here. It's for that kind of thing. And it's just set aside for that. For gifts for other people, not for us, not for our family, but for other people. And we have, to, I don't know about you, but we have to create that because otherwise we're going, well, I don't, we've got a little bit, but I just, know I'm not sure. And that's, you know, we had to have that debate, but now we, we try to set that all the time. And that's one way that we create margin in our budget and our finances for God to work. The second thing that we do, and this one has been uh, solidified in our marriage for, well, since we got married. And it was a principle that we sat uh, really before we got married, but then we decided, yes, we need to continue this. Um, <clears throat> but when we were in North Carolina, we were both public school teachers. Uh, I taught history, um, and she taught third grade. Our stories were very different coming home after school. <laughs> you know, she had the boys that were uh, in the bathroom, you know, going potty on the walls and yeah, and, and I had the ones where I'm trying to break up major fights, you know, and almost getting pummeled myself cuz I'm not exactly an imita- uh, intimidating dude. I looked like a high schooler back then. I mean, this was years ago. I'm like yeah, I had to dress up so that people knew. Hey, he's not high school; he's a teacher. <laughs> what do you know? Uh, good for you. You know, <laughs> get that that pity look. Uh, appreciate that. And and so and so we'd have these different things, but we had these two teacher salaries. And what we would do is we we got a check once a month. We got paid once a month. That was our schedule. And what we'd do is um, I can't remember if it's the end of the month or the beginning of the month. However, we got paid, we'd bring those two checks and we'd look at them. We'd add the two together, and then we'd figure out the total of what our income was, and then we'd write a check for 10% to the church that at the time we were attending. We were just volunteers there, uh, help lead worship, part of the youth ministry. We were, just, we were involved in the church. And, and we wrote our 10% of our income to the church first time. Now, we did that. This is important. We did that while the electric bill, the water bill, the sewer bill, the mortgage, the school loans, ah, oh, school loans, um, all that stuff was sitting right there. We didn't pay those and then said, here you go, God. This is what I got. Sorry. We paid this and said, God, thank you for giving us health. Thank you for giving us the ability to work. Thank you for giving us the skills to even teach. Thank you for putting the students in our lives. Thank you for that. And yes, we can eat today. And so here's your portion back because we know it comes from you. And I believe that God has created margin in our life because of that. I truly believe that. There were some months that we'd get things and we had, you know, a check or a gift come from somebody else that we hardly knew. And wow, we knew at the end of the month we were going to be really, really tight. Down to like 10 bucks in our account. There's a couple of times we got to the end of that week. We're like, man, we got four more days. And God said, I've got you. Don't worry. That's the first thing we write. Because if we don't, what Laura and I know, and again, you guys have to figure this out for your relationship with God. But for Laura and I, we know that in the Bible it says 10% is a starting point. That's what the Word of God says. 10% of our income is a starting point. And Laura and I know if we don't do that, we're probably not fully trusting God enough. And now, to be honest, uh, that, was, that was a little bit harder because you actually had to write the check. It's like, oh, you know, and we got all these over here. That was hard. I'll be honest. That was hard. There were some days. In fact, there were a couple of months. I'll be honest. Laura and I said, should we write this after we pay these? Because we know last month was really hard, didn't we? We had those conversations a couple of times. We agreed not to, and we said, nope, we need to write the check. And we write it, and we take it to the church. But um, in this way, it's really easy because Northridge, we've set up electronic fund transfer. <laughs> Beautiful. And so now we don't have to write the check. Now, just on the same day every month, it just, it's gone. It just, whoop, it's siphoned off. And Laura and I, we don't have to have really that, that worry. It would just it's, it's taken care of. We don't have to write the check. We don't have to worry about, eh, maybe, eh, I don't. Nope, it's gone. And we're okay with that. In fact, We're glad it's that way. And so God says, trust me in this, and then you will trust me in so many other things. I think this is why there's 2,000 verses on money. I think this is the gateway to some faith. I really believe that. This is a major trust issue. I get it. So for this season of our lives, Laura and I have been able to do that. Now, it comes down to this. Some of you remember Craig Raymond. Remember that guy? He's crazy, um, but uh, when he lived here, and maybe you heard—if you talked to him at all—he um, would say this phrase. So maybe you've heard this phrase, but I want to share it because, really, in the area of our finances, he lived this out. And I think this is so—it's just so easy to remember, and it's something that's always stuck with me. I, I just appreciated him sharing it with me. I heard it fairly often because I was, you know, close to him. Uh, but he would say these three words, and this is an area over our financial area of life. Simple flexible and available simple flexible and available okay here's here's how these three words work we need to live our lives as simply as possible so that we have enough flexibility with our time with our money with our possessions in order to be as available as possible when God asks us to be on mission or when somebody else comes who is in need. We live as simply as possible to be as flexible as possible to be as available as possible. Does that make sense? Powerful words. And and Craig, I can tell you, honestly lives this out to the T. I mean, he lives this out big time. He really does. Simple, flexible, available. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I've mentioned this this specific verse before, but what Jesus is really talking about in this, when he was sharing this, he's really talking about two. there are two types of people out there. There are two types of people. There's there's one side, there's one type of person, there's a grain vendor that he will fill up the, the container, pour it in, let it all sit there, and then hand you the container as quickly as possible. They're somewhat greedy with their possessions, somewhat greedy with their money. They hold very tightly to it. The love of money is very much in their life and they serve money as their master. The other one is the one that Jesus describes here. The grain vendor who takes the grain, fills the container, then presses it down, shakes it down to create more space, pours more grain in to fill it up, running over, overflowing into your lap. Which grain vendor do you would, would you like to buy from? I think it's pretty obvious. And Jesus is really saying with this phrase, with this verse, which type of person are you? And that's the question I want to answer for myself, and I want you guys to wrestle with today. Which type of person are you? Are you the grain vendor who just pours in just enough, to get by, and says, God will be okay with that. Or are we going to put in, press down, shake it down, a little more area, God, can I give a little bit more? Okay, pour it in, overflowing, thank you, God. Or here's the help for that person that's in need. Which type of person are we? If God were to look at our budget, if you we were to look at our checkbook, would he be fully pleased and honored with what you've bought and what you've spent and how you've used your money? That always has wrecked me. To I mean, just wrecked me. Because I look at that and sometimes I'm okay and sometimes I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff we just don't need. I've been convicted of that many times. But would God, if he looked at that, and by the way, he can see it, <laughs> by the way, But if he was right there and he was looking and you were going through the budget and you're going through that, if he looked at it, would he be honored and pleased with what he saw there? And it comes down to this question. How can you start creating financial margin in your life this week? The truth is, I honestly believe that God wants to do amazing things through all of us. We all have intrinsic value. We all have special qualities in our life that we were put here for, that God wants us to serve Him and honor Him, but even more than that, to beyond that and because of that, to help other people around us. To serve and worship God and to help others. Love God, love others. You heard me say it a hundred times. We need to do that in all areas of our life, including our finances. This has been on my heart and mind, but we just uh, said goodbye to an amazing woman yesterday. And um, the reason I'm so passionate about this today is because this area, more than anything, listen to me on this, this area, more than anything, ends marriages, money, number one problem that destroys marriages. Okay? I know that because I've counseled many and because I know the statistics. Money creates a huge barrier between people and church because of what they think of the church. Money creates a barrier between us and our ability to help other people and for us to serve God. It is a wall. It is a destroyer. And the reason I bring up the ability to honor Mary yesterday is because our life here is short no no matter how long we have. And Mary lived her life, and I shared this verse yesterday in Philippians, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't count yourself as better than somebody else. Mary lived that out completely. And my hope and prayer is that in every aspect, every area of my life, and every area of your life, that we would have margin so that we can do what Mary exemplified, what Jesus calls us to do, which is to put other people first and to put God as the worship and the focus of our life, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our finances, everything. Yeah. And I, I can promise you because, and I can promise you because the Bible promises this. If you do that, God says, watch the blessings that I will pour out upon you. I don't know exactly what that means, but I just know the blessings of God are really, really good, are better than anything we can imagine. And I pray that we can live our lives as well as Mary did, as well as Jesus calls us to. But it's going to mean that we have to make some really difficult, hard choices. It does. That's what it means to create margin in our life for God to work and for us to love others. So how can we create that financial margin starting this week to be faithful and put our trust in God? The worship band's going to come up. Let's just pray and ask God to help us with that. I need it as well. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for speaking to us in your word about a very difficult area. Um, This area of money, God, you know, is is a difficult one for us. My prayer this morning is simple. Lord, by your your strength, by your love, and by your power, I, I ask that you would help me, and help all of us in this room, help everyone at Northridge, help everyone in this community to be free from the master, from the bondage of money. I pray that we would begin to serve you fully and set down the master of money in our life. I truly believe that this is perhaps the gateway for us in our trust and our faith in you fresh and new. So I pray that you would destroy the the master of money in our life. Help us to know what you want us to do with it, God. To do with this area of our life. How to create that margin for you to work. And we just claim that promise, God, that says when we do that, when we're faithful to be generous and give back the portion to you that you have asked and the portion to the other people that need it, that the blessings will just increase more and more and the blessings will flow freely from you. Thank you for being over every area of our life, God. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.